from our ad revenue alone, we want that to be able to sustain our family and our team's families. And then anything from the construction side, we want that to be an additional revenue. And that's what we tell every client too, like in the beginning, sometimes we're gonna be writing or documenting your projects. And that's one thing, if they're not comfortable with that, we don't work with them because that's exactly how we wanna sustain our company. Welcome to episode 120 of the AFT Construction Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Levitt. And in this episode, I speak with Jamie and Morgan from Construction of Style based out of Minnesota. And I was really excited to have them on. They've been friends for many years now through social media. We've met at many conferences, including uh, the Builder Show. Additionally, outside of construction, Morgan has also uh, got into event planning. And with that, has used that to really help build her business as an influencer in the market. And uh, I was able to attend one of her conferences uh, just a few months ago, and it was just an amazing experience. And in the episode, she speaks about blogging, about how they're getting a million views a month uh, you know, of traffic to their website and how that's been impactful and what they're using to do that. And especially as they're talking about pricing in the industry and educating everybody. And they're a very unique dynamic because husband and wife, influencer, they do construction, they do design, they have product so many different elements that they've built their business with, a lot of great information. So without further ado, let's get started. So welcome to the AT Construction Podcast. I'm Brad Levitt, and we have some good friends of mine on today that I'm really excited about. It's been long overdue. So welcome, Jamie Morgan. Thank you for Thank having you. us. So Jamie and Morgan are with Construction to Style, and uh, unless you're under a rock, then you would not know who they are because they're super active. I know Morgan's laughing, but we're going to get into it. They're, they're very talented with social media and marketing and blogging and, and well outside of uh, the construction industry, what you do for the industry and just the ambassadorship. You know, I was out there with you at the event you put on that we'll dive into later, Morgan. But I think to get started with both of you, what's really interesting is, you know, for the context of this podcast, I don't typically start with your background story, right? That's not been the MO, but I think it's important for this conversation because, you know, as a husband and wife team, uh, it's pretty unique. You have very unique roles. You know, so how did this come to fruition back in 2012? So <laughs> um, 2012 was actually when we launched a DIY blog. Um, so I met Jamie and we were just dating at the time <clears throat> and he was doing investment property and he brought me to this house, like pulled me up in the driveway and I thought he was playing a joke on me because it was so <laughs> ugly. <laughs> And then he just started making renovations to it. And I was like, you're so talented because I really didn't know him that well. And I was like, we should start a blog. So we actually started this blog um, before we were even married and came up with construction too, because there's two of us. He did construction and my background is actually fashion merchandising and marketing. And so that's where the style came into play. Um, yeah. So hold on. I got to interrupt you here, Morgan, because so you guys were just dating at the time. Uh huh. We were wild? like newly dating too. Yeah. So, <laughs> so this is like the the reason I have to ask is because you know I had um, Brad on and he's he talks about working with your spouse, right? The difficulty and a lot of us in the construction industry and small business, right? You work with your spouse, there's a complexity. Uh, you have to be one of our first uh, or one of my first connections, I should say, success stories where you're dating, starting a company. I mean, just the dynamic here is just amazing. I mean, to take that leap, right? Yeah, it was kind of wild. And so then, and Jamie had went to school for carpentry. Um, so his end goal, well, you can talk about that, Jamie. So went to college for carpentry, um, graduated in 09, uh, right during the housing crash. So I got a job with a commercial waterproofing company and uh, would get laid off in the winter time here. We're in Minnesota. Um, so in the winter time, I'd have free time. So I bought this cheap home and was looking to renovate it and then move into it and live there. Um, and Morgan and I were dating at the time, had been dating for about a month and yeah, brought her there and she laughed. Thought it was <laughs> <a no. laughs> and, I didn't laugh once he sold it though and had a very nice track. Um, but so yeah, we started this blog and started talking about what we were doing to this house or what Jamie was doing. So I was just kind of documenting what he was doing, whether it came to the tile, how he was doing that, taking down the wall, paint colors he was choosing. Um, and then we just started getting inquiries from people to come and remodel their home. And so 2015 is when Jamie then got his contracting license. And then he took the leap. Um, we were married in 2013. Um, and then yeah, so 2015 is when he quit his full time job, 
<clears throat> and yeah, kind of went from there. One thing kind of just led to another. So what was, what was the goal originally, Jamie, when you bought this house? And I know that you were working for a company at the time. You're laid off in the winter. Was this going to be a, a primary residence? Did you have the intention to flip it and maybe get into the real estate side? So <clears throat> I planned to flip it, but I was going to live there for a while and then not have to pay the capital gains on it. But I had no like timeline of how long I would live there. It was pretty much I bought it. My other buddies from college were, you know, graduating, moving home, didn't have anywhere to live. So I thought I would renovate it, get it all livable, and then have them live it with me and rent. And then the timeline was just not there. Just kind of went with it. Yeah, after we got married then, I think it was like two or three years we were there and then sold it, bought another investment property, lived there for a couple of years, sold it. Um, so we've done four different investment properties and now we're in hopefully knock on wood our home <laughs> but so we just every journey we've done yeah <clears throat> every journey we've done with our own homes or client homes we've documented everything on our website so what's the value been i know this probably helped you get your start so when you're looking at the documentation you know this is something where you know a lot of us contractors designers architects struggle that you know especially as i network a lot of them have amazing content right? Amazing projects, processes, you know, but the marketing side is really foreign or it's heavy lifting. They don't have time. You know, we're, we're, why should someone focus on, you know, the blogging, the documentation, you know, how has that impacted your business? I think because we were on the flip side of it. And mm -hmm. so it's like we started by getting ads on our website. So we started with ad revenue and then all of a sudden brands started reaching out to us to do sponsorships. Um, we do affiliate links. So we have multiple different streams of revenue that we have that we make from our website. Um, we also have courses that are on our website. Um, so we're just really focused on getting traffic to our site because obviously the more traffic we have, the more money we're making from these partnerships. Um, and I always think that with anyone too, I'm like, yes, ads can be annoying, but when you see the amount of revenue that you can make per month, that's residual that you literally don't have to be doing anything. <laughs> I'm like, it's a no brainer to me. So I'm always, I tell people all the time, I'm like, why wouldn't you have ads on your website? People are coming there for a reason. They're not that, I mean, annoying because you can put the placement, but then also if you go to our website, they're all over the place because again, that's how we make more money. <laughs> well, let, let's be honest about this. I mean, the reality is in our industry, you know, it's a fee industry, it's a risk industry, right? And that's the same for whether you're an engineer, architect, designer, builder. And so, no matter your reputation, your reach, you know, uh, what, what you specialize in, there's still only so much that you can charge as a fee for a client where the value is there. Yeah. And so what's important is, well, where can you have other sources of revenue, whether it's other investments or whether it's, as you mentioned, your website. And so it, it, it's not just like, Hey, and, and I know this cause I know you both. I mean, this is really a strategic element of your businesses. You know, one thing that people aren't looking at, it's one thing to have maybe a nice Instagram page, but to monetize that through a website, which is the SEO and the Bible side. I mean, I would imagine that for you, it's not only helping with just that revenue side to help build your business and, and your family, but also, you know, the job lead portion. Yeah. And we always try to look at it as too, like we want just from our ad revenue alone, we want that to be able to sustain our family and our team's families. And then anything from the construction side, we want that to be it. An additional revenue you know god forbid another recession or something like that happens we just want so that's our biggest focus or i should say my biggest focus it's really smart you know it makes me not to go off tangent here but i know uh rob gronkowski who plays nfl right he's kind of the same way that he he you know lives off of his sponsorships and media and then on his on his living expenses but his salary he saves right and so really it, it creates a nest egg for you but it also creates less overhead because the, the play, I mean, you're both fairly young. So, you know, we have a lot of working years ahead of us, such as myself. And so you're, you're creating really a pipeline where you're going to be able to work through and the clients. I, I would imagine have some security to know, Hey, Jamie and Morgan are here for long-term, you know? Yeah. And that's what we tell every client too. Like in the beginning, we're like, we have these other means. So yes, sometimes we're going to be writing or documenting your projects. And that's one thing. If they're not comfortable with that, we don't work with them because that's, exactly the how we want to sustain um yeah in our company so so how do you how do you work through uh the communication with the client because you know when you're blogging and very active on the process side 
and the marketing side, Morgan, you know, that when it's your own flip or project, you know, pretty straightforward, you know, to do what you want. But how does that work with clients? Do you ever have clients push back either on privacy or push back on, you know, accessibility, you know, for uh, to their home and project? Yeah, we haven't. Um, so when any client reaches out to us right away, we send them, and this is in one of the first email communications, we send them a client handbook. Um, so it's about a five-page document that lays mm-hmm. out the expectations, who we are as a company, who we are as family, people, a team. Um, and we always say that in that as well is like, that's the most important thing to us. And I think it really reminds our clients that we're humans and we don't want to be treated just as a business or as their labor. Um, we want to really form that partnership. Um, and so, <laughs> yeah, they're handyman, right? So yeah, we put that in the first email that we even send out to people. We put our project minimums and then we're like, this is what you can expect when working with us. And we will hold you to that standard. So anytime we have to, we haven't really had to reference it, but anytime, I mean, definitely when we're doing our own projects in our home, like right now we're doing our laundry room and we have to be strategic sometimes about when we share that, because if it's in the middle of the day, some clients are probably like, why aren't you at our house? (laughs) And it's like, you know, and so you just have to kind of remind them like, this is also an additional, how we make our money. Like it's not just client work. And so, yeah. A lot of times our client work, they kind of know who we are before they even reach out for the project. And we really like that because we're not just another company and we try to be picky with who we work with. And if you're like a client looking to get multiple bids, then we, a lot of times we'll just kind of pass on that project because you're looking for a cheap contractor to do the thing. You don't really care about who they are or anything like that. Yeah, it's good advice, Jamie, because the reality is, as you think about this, when you're vetting clients and you think of just that marketing strategy, I mean, you really want to understand who who you're marketing to and then understand, you know, hopefully they, they know the value you're bringing to the table, right? And this kind of goes with, with what you were saying, Morgan, that you, you've created a brand and reputation on a platform. And, and most clients, I would say, and this is probably why you haven't had a ton of pushback, is that I, I see that the contractors or designers that struggle with this element are ones that aren't very active on social media, right? So when they want photos and documentation, there's pushback. But where you've built this platform, they understand, hey, I'm finding you for this reason. So I need to be a part of that. Um, and, and and it's interesting. Sometimes they get offended if you aren't sharing enough. They're like, why aren't you posting about my project? I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so, so one of the casualties to this, you know, and it is true. And it, it is something to be sensitive. You made two really valid points that I want to touch on, Morgan, is one you had talked about being conscious as far as time of day and, you know, what am I posting, you know, so that we're, we're, we're not showing either a distraction or a lack of ownership of their project, right? Which is super important because it doesn't mean you're dropping the ball or there's other things going on, but you just want to come across in a very professional manner. But number two is, as you mentioned, there is a sensitivity there. And I've had the same thing. I've been in meetings where clients are like, Hey, how can we always post in this house? Like, why aren't you showing my house? You know? And so it's not, you know, you have to be conscious of, Hey, am I, you know, are, are we doing a good job marketing all the projects? And part of it, that's why the customers want to come on and they want to see, you know, it's fun for them to see the comments and engagement they get for their project. Yeah. For the most part. <laughs> so yeah, for the, well, yeah, <laughs> it, it can vary, but, but you said something I want to touch on going back to the, you know, thinking about the ideal client. You said there's a project minimum. And so what what is that? Maybe you don't have to get into the specifics, but what is a project minimum for you as far as what you're expecting the client to do in that vetting process when they reach out? So we focus a lot on kitchens, bathrooms, <clears throat> basements. Um, we do do full homes, but we also appreciate those smaller projects because then we can get in, we can get out quicker. Um, so right away in our email for kitchens, our minimum is $100,000. Um, bathrooms, we say fifty grand. Mudrooms, we say 30 grand, um, and basements too, we always say 100 grand. And then we always reference back because, again, on our website, we have a whole blog post that breaks down how much does a bathroom remodel cost, and every line item is in that blog post. Same with kitchen remodels. Um, and we don't share client pricing on our website, but when, again, that's why we do a lot of projects in our own home because we're very transparent about the pricing and what we're putting into it. Um, we just did an addition, a sport court. Again, wrote a whole blog post about it, broke down the cost, what went into it. Um, and then we also put in there, like, on top of this cost, plus it can be anywhere depending on the contractor, 10 to 50%. Um, 
So we're very transparent about that and we put our pricing in there. And so it just makes it very easy to educate leads that come in because we can, we already have this source of information on our website. Yeah. I love that you shared that. I actually heard you on another podcast, Morgan, and this was on Martin Holsinger's, right? And I think this was at the build show a couple of years ago, but what I really like that you shared is that, um, you know, the question was asked to what you're speaking about now. It's like, well, you, you want to be a resource for your customer base to understand pricing because the reality is most of our customers, they don't know what it costs. They, they, they know what they like. They see pictures, but you know, HGTV has done us a big disservice right on what things really cost to put into a house. And so, you know, the reality is there's a lot more cost than people realize. And so you had laid out, well, you know, we, we can do blogs and we can show them. And this is where it helps to have the flips in your own work is that you can showcase what that costs so that they have a point of reference without sharing the financials of your clients. But and I know you gave a good example, maybe Jamie can speak to this too, is it, you know, doing, you know, stair railing, for example, when you did stair railing, you know, at your own house, you know, there's a cost for you to do it like a DIY, but if you were to outsource that to a company that's, you know, has overhead or professional has the tools, I mean, how does, you know, th that, that communication process is really important. So how do you discuss that, Jamie, so that customers understand the value of hiring a company to do that? The big thing is like, a lot of times people think the material is where the main cost is when really the main cost is the labor. Um, everyone who comes in, the electrician, plumber, contractor, everybody, they're all insured privately. Like they all have their own companies. They all have their own overhead. So when you have, I mean, a railing is a little bit different. You can get a carpenter in, but for like a larger project, you have, you know, five to 10 different tradesmen coming in and each guy is very expensive and the labor adds up um, materials not cheap obviously too but um, the labor is the the big part i love that you share that because i think this is where maybe we as an industry don't do a good enough job communicating with our clients and this is something that we've spent a lot of time with my team is a good example we had a project years back in phoenix and um you, you know the the client was understanding okay we're ordering this incredibly large island countertop right a massive slab that's going down the island countertop and there was some disputes on the trip charge and one thing we failed to do as a team is we didn't really communicate why the trip charge was was that expensive and the reason being this isn't a 75 dollars trip charge just to drive to their part of town you have to understand that by bringing this slab out i can't install this with one person right you have five right. people and equipment they have to carry this in from the truck into the house plus you have to stage it at the, you know at the shop load it ship it out there. So, so you're paying hourly for five people to commute, to drive out there, to handle it, to set it, make sure it's level, you know, all these components. And so when you think about the cost for five people, that's where we just don't do a good enough job, in my opinion, or at least we haven't in the past, you know, to communicate why the cost is what it is. Right. Yeah. So what, so what's your biggest challenge now when you think about construction and, and we'll get into the marketing side, I, I do want to dive down this too with you a little bit more, Morgan, but you know, for you, Jamie, being out in the field, what are some of the challenges you're dealing with or how do you manage the cost process? Because I know even for your projects, you're trying to, if you're doing a $100,000 kitchen or $150,000 kitchen, you know, and pricing is changing, how do you pr procure product or, you know, help with that investment for your client? Obviously with COVID, everything has kind of changed. Uh, you kind of feel like you have things figured out and your numbers are good and then boom, within, you know, a week or two, everything's out the window. Uh, you're having issues with material showing up, uh, maybe labor getting out there, but it's kind of been a learning curve since COVID to, <clears throat> you know, our project timelines have gotten longer because of like material lead times have gotten a lot longer too. So we've had to, like everyone and everything, charge more for material, charge more for labor, um, and then plan as well as we can ahead of time to make sure that we have our tile when we need it, to make sure we have appliances when we need them. Um, but yes, it's been difficult. Like we had a huge project, a full home remodel that we just wrapped up. We're getting appliances delivered. They were ordered, I don't know, four or five months earlier and they're a big company, big appliance company, but the day appliances are coming, they call and they go, oh yeah, the mini fridge is gone. 
we believe that an employee stole it, they can't find it in their warehouse. In their warehouse, they don't know where it went. And <clears throat> I mean, we tried to do everything we could on the front end to make sure that thing would be ready. Well, now we're waiting on it four months later, just because of yeah, yeah, the project has been done. But it's like <clears throat> I don't know. Our motto now is you can't make it up. <laughs> when I'd say too, before we'd be more relaxed on our markup. Um, and some clients, you know, depending on the conversations that we had, we'd lessen it. And now we're just adamant. Like we have to stay at the markup that we do because we know that so many things, issues are arising right now and we're the ones eating the cost. Um, so we're just very adamant now that that's our markup and there's no going under that period. <laughs> Yeah, because at the end of the project, our markup is going to be our profit. And our profit isn't what that markup is. Like, there can be overhead issues where that profit gets eaten up just because we can't go back to the client with something on our end either. Yeah, and, and these are valid points because the reality is, and it's, it's so hard to quantify and communicate all this up front, right? We do our best of our job. And we're hoping the clients are, are somewhat in tune, especially those that may have built before or been through the process. But Many of them haven't. And, you know, most of us um, who have been building for quite some time, I think I've been building professionally for almost 20 years outside of college. And I've never, even through the last boom in the recession, never seen anything like this where timelines are so prolonged. You're deal we, we had the same thing, right? We're, we ordered the range nine months ago. Very great company, a great relationship with. Wasn't in. They told us, hey, it's going to be delivered next week right before closing. Didn't show up. We had to put in like an easy bake oven for them, you know, like, and then like the, there was an issue with the washer and dryer. And so we had temporary ones in. And so, the, you know, just the maintenance side from us, as you mentioned, the markup, I mean, durations are longer, which now cost us more money. I mean, it is a burden on the client too, but you're dealing with so many factors now that it's almost like Jamie said, we just can't make this stuff up anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. So from your... Yeah. So let me ask you this, you know, getting into now, like without breaking down your system now, I mean, Morgan, when you started and Jamie, you know, you're married in 2013, Jamie officially left in 2015, you know, how involved were the roles or construction of style formally? When did that start and how did you delegate the responsibility there being husband and wife and starting a new company? Gosh, I feel like every, <laughs> as you know, every day our roles change. Um, but what's interesting, I was listening to your uh, recent podcast with Tim. I worked with him. So I was working at a digital marketing agency. So I was still working full time and I didn't jump ship until after we had our second kid. And then here I'm working full time at this agency. I'm, we have babies. I'm still working at C2S full time. I was like, I can't do this anymore. Um, so 2017 is when I took the leap with Jamie. And I think that's where our roles got a lot more defined. Um, obviously he's the contractor. I was helping with the design side. Um, we run our business together. So we, you know, go over all the finances and all the admin kind of stuff together. Um, but we really did a good job, I think. And that's why I think we've been successful in running a business together is because we just know how to stay in our own lanes. And I know what Jamie needs to do and I respect him in the same way. And it's like, if he says something can or can't be done, like when it comes to the construction side, I'm like, great. I don't really challenge in that way and vice versa to me. So it's like, we know what we need to do and get the job done. How important is that for not only the business side, but the marriage side, just that communication to understand, Hey, this is our separation, you know, to be successful, you know, personally, as well as, you know, financially as a business. Well, Jamie and I always laugh about this because it's like, there is no separation. We're working 24 seven. We're always talking about business, um, even on our date nights. And also I'm like, there's, I don't think there's anything wrong with that because <laughs> it yeah. is important to us and it is, um, our life. And also, even when it comes to our team, it's like our team is our friends. It's our family. Um, we don't kind of, we don't separate that. We go out and have a good time with them. And yeah, so I think this is just our life. And as you know, as being an entrepreneur, it's like, it is your life and <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there, there's no escaping it. So when, when did you make that first hire? Because I know you've grown. And one thing, going back to that, I know you invest in your team. You take them to the build show. You travel together. I mean, when I was there in Minnesota with you, I saw the camaraderie there. So when did you make your first hire and how was that transition? 
Yeah, so Topher, you know Topher, love him, can't live yeah. without him. Um, he actually came to us in 2000 and uh, what was it, 17? I don't know. I don't know. It's been a while, but. It was when I quit though, too, because we hired him before I even quit my full-time job. Um, but he yeah, messaged before. us. Yeah, messaged us. Topher's actually been with the company longer than Morgan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He sent us a DM on Instagram and. Yeah, do you want to talk about that, Jamie? So Topher DM'd um, on IG. He was in college at the time at the U of M, <clears throat> and he was kind of doing like little carpentry, I don't know, end table type knickknacky things like that. Um, and he he had no background in carpentry or construction or anything, but kind of just got into it during college and enjoyed it. And he reached out. Um, he would help me for, I don't know, a couple hours a day here and there, part-time until he graduated. And after he graduated, we brought him on full-time and he's kind of been a huge part of helping get to where we are now. And yeah, he's full-time. He's a project manager, um, pretty much runs everything in the construction and well, it's interesting. It's funny, you know, through the podcast, I speak a lot about the values of social media. And of course, there's always drawbacks, you know. Um, but one of the pros that I think is often overlooked, especially for a company such as yourself, a C2S, right, is that, that there's a brand, there's a reputation. So yeah, the, the job leads are one thing. But when you look at your network in the industry, which we'll get into from the ambassador side with vendors, but even more importantly, you know, one thing that a lot of people struggle with, especially in this market, is I can't get good labor. I can't hire, I can't get good people, right? And so what I found through LinkedIn and Instagram, and this is why I'm such a like proponent of this, is that as you build that, people are drawn to that, either your personality, you, your company, your your culture. And so with Topher, for you, you know, he reaches out DM, now you find this amazing person that's committed because they've reached out through Instagram. You know, Paul, who works for me, who you know, Paul Lundgren, who has AFT2, right? He... Um, you know, so I tell people, like, how do you find such good people? And I say, you know, the reality is, is, as you start to build this, he was someone who had followed us. He had his own platform, his own company in Colorado. And we had met at an event and he pulled me aside and said, hey, Brad, I'm at a point in my life where I have young kids. You know, I'm at a point where I can't be having my tool bags all the time. I'd love to come into more of this environment. And sure enough, fast forward, you know, after that meeting, you know, six months later, he was hired. And here we are three years later, right? And you find this amazing partner in the company and that's what's often overlooked you know for those that aren't spending the time on social media yeah all of our employees right now like don't have design background didn't have carpentry background and to us it's important to find someone with the right mindset and that fits with us and our culture and then from that we're like we can train you i would much rather have that than what a piece of paper says maybe i shouldn't say that but <laughs> no i Morgan, here, here's where you're spot on. And I, you know, a, a year ago, I had Jeremy Anderson from Traeger, right? The CEO of Traeger. And he was relentless about its company culture. Like you, if you have someone that's extremely skilled and talented, but they're a bad apple for the company can destroy everything. And there's so much value even having the right people on. And, and the thing is we can teach aspects of construction, right? We're all learning every day. I'm learning every day. And so our company is better today than it was yesterday, right? Because we're going to learn from these things. But you bring the right people on board that understand the vision, the direction, the communication process. And as that gets refined, you know, and they get the skill set, it's going to be just that much better. And that's why investing in your people and, and send that, you know, that precedence is so important. Mm -hmm. And that want to build your company and grow it. And that's why, yeah, everyone on our team right now, I just appreciate because they treat it just like it's their own company and they're wanting to build it more than even we are probably some days. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's what leads to your success. Have you have you found either trade partners or subcontractors through your platforms? Yes, actually. Um, that is also a blessing and a curse um, because we work with the different – or we try yeah, to we, work. We found them and we've had them stolen. Yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> um, so we usually only work with the same subs. Um, again, we treat them just like family and we want to work with them. Um, but, yeah, actually our tile person was through Instagram. Um and yeah, brands, right? Because our old tile guy got got kind of hijacked through Instagram. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're like, so, okay, so maybe we shouldn't be tagging people anymore because then they just get stolen from us. 
So when you say stolen, is it because, you know, other competitors are seeing you tag them and then they ended up reaching out and. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we're much, calling yeah. them for our jobs and they're like, Oh, can't get there for another month. And then we see them working on their jobs and we're like, are you kidding me? <laughs> it's wonderful. You know, I think that's the caveat we have to give to our trades. I tell them, Hey, I'm going to tag you, but you better not forget about me. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. I have to work on those conversations up front. <laughs> now we're super excited. Welcome one of our new sponsors to the podcast, Pella Windows. And this is even more exciting because we use Pella in so many of our projects, nearly all of them. And they've been just an incredible partner of ours. And locally, Sammy and Adam, they are not only amazing business partners behind us, but they are super close friends. And I speak on the podcast all the time about the importance of relationships, right? Relations with our customers, with our vendors, with our suppliers, because at the end of the day, I'm only as good as those that help our brand and assist us in our projects to, to take it from the ground up all the way to completion. And if we didn't have partners such as Pella, there's no way we'd be who we are today. Over the years, we've built this amazing relationship. When we call them or email them, they respond. They're quick. Their they're company culture, their integrity, their honesty. You know, they are always there to do what's right for us and the customer. They can do anything from small replacement projects to large custom homes and even multi-million dollar commercial projects. And also, when you think about their product line, they can do ultra contemporary, historical preservation, and large traditional projects. So for anyone, any scale, any size, they're the ones to call. They're here local. You know, they have an amazing Instagram. Make sure and give them a follow to see what they're doing. So if you need windows and doors, give Sammy and Adam a call. We stand behind Pella. We love what they do, their culture, their brand, and especially their quality. And if you want to learn more about Pella Windows, check our show notes. We'll have everything tagged there so you can give them a follow and have their contact information to reach out. And now let's get back into the episode. So how how's the company evolved today? I mean, here you are, you know, semi in, semi out, you know, especially early on, you know, and, and finding success, you're building it. And now you, you both take the plunge, you're building it. You know, where's the company today? Oh, man. Um, I think like with Jamie and I too, we're always looking at new opportunities. It's probably not the best, but we're always yes people. So I think just starting as a DIY blog, then we let into design build. Um, we now have the courses. We do in-person workshops. That's all marketing related. Um, we do the brand sponsorships. We have our online um, shop that we sell home decor on. Um, so yeah, and I'm excited like where things are going. I want product lines. I want brick and mortar. We are always looking at other real estate investments and yes. I love that. So how, you know, going back to the time, how do you manage it? I mean, part of that's probably your role has changed now, Morgan, right? So, you know, Jamie run the construction side and you're focusing a little bit more on, um, uh, I don't want to say back inside, but you're focused on the design side. You're focused on the product side. You're focused on the marketing ambassadorship. Um, you know, and that, that takes building that business. That's a whole business entity itself. Yeah. When I'd say too, even from the beginning to where we are now, like Jamie was doing everything hands on. And that's one thing that's been hard for him too, because he is a skilled carpenter. So he is very picky when it comes to people doing the finished carpentry work. Um, so every day we're trying to not be so hands-on so that we can let things go and work and focus on other things to build our company. Um, so I think we've grown a lot in that way, but yet it's still a challenge every day for the both of us. Well, well, how, how do you manage this aspect then? So when a customer reaches out, you have a vetting process, you have project minimum, as you mentioned, and I'm sure there's a question here to some extent, you know, what does that take? If I'm going to call out, if I'm to reach out to you online, Jamie Morgan and say, Jamie Morgan, I want to do my kitchen, my bathroom, my basement right? All the above. You know, where do we go? What's that process like? I think, yeah, and this was another hard one because before, and I want to get to know our clients. I want to have a relationship with them. Um, And so right away when a lead would come in, we would be going out to their house. Um, And Jamie and I were the two that would show up. And then all of a sudden we realized we're like, we can't be that person showing up until step five or, you know. Yeah. Um, So yeah, now it's like, it comes in, we do everything online, vetting, and then once the money's down, then that's actually when Jamie and I will show up. Um, but yeah, that's been, it's been hard too. So, so do you have someone in your office managing to get to step five, you know, that's taking that call, vetting them and walking through that process? So they do all that upfront. And I think that also helps us too when we're doing the pricing and we're sending that over and have to have those conversations. Um, 
yeah, it's helped because then it's like we're not so already emotionally invested with these people from the beginning and, <laughs> you know, want to negotiate and anything like that. We're like, nope, this is it. Take it or leave it. So it, it's interesting you share that because, um, it, you know, you mentioned emotionally exhausted, right? Whether the client or you or both of you. And, and it's hard to really convey that process to build a home or do a remodel, just the emotional commitment, communication, and to try to find out every expectation and where I've struggled just to be transparent. You know, some clients are like, well, Brad, you know, you're six months down the road. Why don't you tell me about this? Why don't we spend more time talking about this? And I'm like, well, how, you know, how am I supposed to forecast and really know like that this is going to be a major issue, you know, for our, you know, as you're walking through a million different decisions and I guess where I'm going with this is you start thinking about, I'll give a shout out to Colm Holmes, who's Rod. He's a mentor of mine here in town, and he does some amazing projects. And he shared with me at a conference he and I were at earlier this year, and he said, hey, Brad, we, we actually give our clients a document, the emotional roller coaster of building a home. And it's a really neat graph, right? And it shows, hey, we come in and you know we start demo, we're groundbreaking, like it's so high, you're so pumped. And then as the project goes, you don't feel there's progress. And it, and it kind of shows the, the ebbs and flows of construction, right? When it's high and it's low. And then as you get to the end, you know, there's this chaos, especially when you get into finishes where for us, we wait to final paint till the very end. So the house is masked off. You're doing punch work. There's a ton of people. It looks super messy. I mean, we try to keep our sites clean, but this is the messiest part. And we know once that final paint's done and we pull all the plastic and the floor covering and they get that final clean, it's going to blow your mind, but this is the messiest. And so that emotional roller coaster is at the very bottom because they're just so frustrated because they're like, hey, you're never going to be ready in a month, you know? And so this is something what we've now, I'm modifying as we speak. He sent me the doc. We're modifying it to our, our process. But it's so key to set those expectations to hand the client and say, hey, here's your emotional roller coaster. Here's when you're going to like me and here's when you're going to hate me, right? Oh my gosh, that's so smart. One, two, uh, just thinking about, you know, just with now we're seeing the aftermath of the virus and all that. And I'm like, and our, our kitchens used to take three months. Now they're taking, it feels like, a year, but close to it. But I'm like, <laughs> it's, it's even more of, you know, we're not there. And it's like, Jamie's not going to pack up his tool bag to come out there for two hours one day when we know we're going to be there in two weeks for something else and he can spend an entire day out there. You know, but there's mm -hmm. so many more lulls and legs now. And it's like, you can't even, it's so hard to explain. So I like that. I might steal that from you guys. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I'll, I'll send you a copy when I revise it, Morgan and Jamie, I'll get you a copy. And here's why it's valuable, because going back to earlier in the conversation, you made the comment, you know, just being conscious of what time of day you're posting, you know, maybe your blogs or, or something. And, and it's interesting, you know, I was speaking to a contractor, and he was building two homes fairly close to each other. And one client would always drive to the other house and be like, why do you have seven cars out there and you have two at mine, right? Yeah, and, and so... The reality is, is, you know, part of that expectation as well, either phase of construction or maybe not everyone's carpooling or maybe we have, you know, that we understand this as a business. I understand what it takes to build a home. I know when the project's going to have 50 people, when it's going to have three or zero, right? And so, but the emotional roller coaster does help us understand and really it comes down to, can we give something tangible to our client in that vetting process and that pre-construction mm -hmm. process that now just helps them quantify and understand a little bit more about what we're dealing with and especially where it's just incredibly painful, you know, for us to build a home in 12 months is now 16. That's four more months of overhead. That's four more months of frustration that can accrue with the client. Yeah. That's so yeah, good. Yeah. The one thing HGTV got right is they kick them out for a month and come back and it's all done and ready and beautiful for you. Yeah. Right. Well, they can do that. Yeah. You know, that, whenever you're a build a suit client like we are you know and, and the analogy that was given a while back right it's like when do you have what manufacturing company do you actually bring the consumer on the manufacturing floor right as you're building and you know building a tv building a car it doesn't happen right whereas we're for you as a remodel someone may be living there and you're building your entire manufacturing facility there hands-on and they're seeing everything and so it's just a difficult industry and the more that we, you know, have these discussions and say, well, what are Jamie and Morgan doing different, right? Are they, whether it be project minimum, how are they communicating? How are they sending these expectations? You know, these are things that I take back and really find value in. I love that. Agreed. So, uh, so Morgan, now for your side, you know, what's amazing is uh, not only the construction aspect that Jamie has, but I was able to come out and, and be with you at this amazing event, you know, BizCon, 
the event. So how, you know, how did you get involved in the event planning space? Cause that is a whole different animal to, to orchestrate and to manage in its entirety. Yeah. Well, I love that too, that you say the event planning space, cause that was never my goal. Um, it started because one week of doing 10 too many coffee dates, Jamie's like, what did you do all week? And I was like, Oh, had all these coffee dates. He's like, did that make you any money? And I'm like, no, it didn't. <laughs> but I think, you know, people, you know, and that's what I love about our community too, is that we all uplift support, um, help each other, you know, elevate their businesses. And that's what I realized I was doing is people are reaching out saying like, how do you do this? You know, who do you use for this? X, Y, and Z. And we're an open book. We've said that on our website since day one, like we share everything. And so I all of a sudden realized, I was like, we should start doing workshops and then start charging people for them. Cause then I'm like, then I'll actually be making money for things that I'm already sharing. Um, so then I started monthly, uh, pre COVID, <laughs> um, at our office, just saying once a month, you know, come in, I'm going to talk about this topic. You, whoever can pick my brain, I would limit it at 15 people because I wanted it still to feel intimate. Um, and that kind of just started growing. And then all of a sudden I was like, I want to put on a bigger conference. Um, and my background, you know, I was working at a digital marketing agency. So, um, did have experience in that. And so then I started doing, and then I wanted to bring other people in, like people that we used, work with, love, trust, are mentored by, um, to come in and speak to. So it wasn't just us speaking. Um, so then I launched, yeah, BizCom, and now we do it once a year. And thinking this next year too, we're going to take it up a notch and get more cruising. Um, so yeah, we'll see what that looks like, but so, so explain BizCom. And, and the reason I ask is because it was one of the most unique conferences I've ever attended. You know, a lot of these conferences or events, you know, um, there, there's different strategies behind it, but this one's really unique. And the reason I want to ask you about that, because there is a relationship where vendors see the value of Morgan and Jamie, right? Whether it be the towel shop, whether it be Cambria, whether it be, you know, Kohler, LK, you know, some of these companies you're working with. And so, they know that you have low following. They know that you're a trusted entity. And so the, the public, as well as your peers, are going to look at product you're using. And so for them, it's a great pipeline to showcase their new product. And so what you've done is you've organized this, this event in Minnesota where you're bringing you know, uh, designers, you're bringing builders, you're bringing architects, right, to a forum. And now you're bringing vendors well, and you're partnering and saying, hey, Here's how you build these relationships. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that was kind of the intent from the beginning too, is like, I, you know, as you know, it's like, I love you. And then I love all these other people. And it's like, I want them all to be friends and to help, you know? So I'm like, that was kind of in the beginning, the connection and community and bringing people together so that they can work with one another and help elevate each other. And yeah, I'm always like, good people attract good people. Right. And I'm like, I just want to bring all the best of the best together. So from the event planning space, as I mentioned, that's totally different than a construction design operation. You know, what, what goes into planning a successful event, logistically, coordination, cost, you know, venue, you know, just lining all that up, the, the time commitment that that, that that is. Yes, a lot, <laughs> a lot of time and a lot of money. Um, but I think too, it's again, leaning on your community and your network. So anytime I'm, throughout the year, actually, I have an Excel doc that is always constantly running. If I come across someone on Instagram or I listen to a podcast, mm -hmm. like I'm jotting their name down. I'm asking for that connection because then when this stuff comes up and I start planning, I have everything already set. And then when it comes to the vendors and the brands that we work with, um, that's just kind of a simple one because it's like we work with the same companies. Um, and so I just send an email out right away, just kind of asking all of them or letting them know the opportunity. Like, here's what we're putting on. Let us know. Here's the deck sheet, the sponsorship sheet. Like, if you want to be involved, let us know. Um, and then I right away, too, because I'm all about, you know, time is money. And so immediately I'm like, if I send out on Monday, I'm like, I need no back by Friday. I'm like, I give zero. Um, <laughs> I need a no commitment, yes or no, because I'm like, I don't have time to be running around and doing all this. Um but also, again, just thankful we have a team and I lean on them a lot when it comes to this. Um, Kayla has actually, she was working, she's one of our um, designers and operations coordinator, but she, her background was event planning. And so she helped me this year to take it up a notch to the next level because she had different connections that I hadn't had previously. 
So, you know, so what does this look like moving forward? Do you plan on continuing this every year? Do you plan on maybe doing two-year? You know, how, how does this business strategy outside of CTS, construction of style, how will that play a role moving forward? So next year, we're going to do one in the spring and one in the fall. Also, I was like, every year we've done it in the fall. And sometimes I'm like, that's too close to the holidays. Um, and it just gets to be a lot, you know, with family and <laughs> life. And so... Um, but yeah, and we also have an event planner as well that we hire that can kind of help us with communication, take things off my plate. Um, we also actually work with a agency that deals with our partnerships and sponsorships too. So he can do all the negotiating for us. We don't really have to deal with that. Um, yeah. And then, you know, outside of that, you know, how have you seen, how has your business changed? Cause I know you've been, since I've known you from the beginning, Morgan and you too, Jim, you've been very involved with you know, the vendors and suppliers, you know, they've been a big part of your business. You know, how did that relationship start where you recognized, hey, we can partner with these brands, have a relationship, and there's a mutual benefit to both of us? Yeah, I think, well, it actually started before we even launched the design build side of our company, because brands started reaching out to us to, you know, say like, how can, you know, can I send you something? And again, this was back before like blogs were even a thing. So those were very smart brands. But then we realized, wow, we can actually make revenue from this sort of thing. Um, and now I just kind of feel like it's, you know, common sense, maybe not with most brands because the digital marketing <laughs> industry is where things are at. It's not print and all that. And um, even, you know, I was thinking about this morning and I'm like finishing up my Christmas shopping and I'm like, everything I bought this year was influenced from people online. And also, I wanted to do that. I wanted to support these people and who they're talking about. And it's also people I follow and trust. And, you know, and they're talking about these brands. And I'm like, I just kind of realized it without even being intentional. Um, so, yeah. And I think, too, the best partnerships that we have with brands and vendors is ones where we want to uplift and support each other, even when it's organically and it's not just paid. Um, because then we're constantly talking about them, even if it's not a collaboration or if it's not a paid partnership. Um, we're still talking about them because we truly do like love and believe um, what they're selling. And also the people behind the brands, I think, is the most important. Like we've built good, healthy relationships, um, have hung out with them. You know, at the Builder Show, we make sure that we connect with every single one and we're getting to know them more. Um, even if it's just lunch or coffee or dinner or whatever, um, not just to talk about business, to actually get to know each other as humans. Um, so. So how often do those in your network, maybe someone such as myself, you know, those peers reach out and say, Hey, Morgan, Jamie, I see that you use such and such brand or product. You know, how, you know, how's that feedback and do you get that pretty often? I would say. We are probably one step ahead of that. We don't let that happen because we're constantly reaching out to the brands before they can probably reach out to us. Um, because again, I just like look at brands and I feel like someone's waving a hundred dollar bill or $10,000 bills. <laughs> like brands have so much money right now. And <laughs> so to me, I'm like, why, if we're using them, why are we not capturing this? So a lot of, again, our projects that we do in our personal home, it's like, we're designing it out. I'm going to every single brand and asking for some sort of partnership, um, telling them the value, the reason why. And hopefully then once they go and do their research and look us up or whatnot, they'll be like, oh, wow, they've used them in a ton of these projects. And it's an easy yes for them because it's not like we haven't been using them. Now, what's interesting is, I mean, you have experience doing this. You understand whether it's you have a media kit, you have a presentation as you're coordinating. For someone starting out, let's say it's just me and I don't have any relationships, what would you, what advice would you give to someone starting out how they can begin that partnership with a brand? Oh, man, that's a good one. Um, I always say it too. I'm like, be tenacious. Like, don't – and don't look at your following count. I think sometimes people are like, I don't have enough followers. I'm not there yet. But to me, I'm like, what value are you giving this brand? Because I guarantee this brand is paying millions of dollars to some agency – to get them content, photos, videos. Um, so I'm like, you don't even have to, it might not be about the following at first or the platform that you have, but it's about the content that you're creating for this brand. So sell that and, and sell it. <laughs> and again, it's like make, if you don't have past projects or past things, make it, 
make it and do it and use it. You don't have to say what it was for, who it was for, or whatnot. And yeah, pitch it that way. Well, I love it. I love that you shared that. I mean, you made a comment a little while ago that all the Christmas gifts, right? All the holiday gifts you purchased were from other influencers and other people you follow. And it's amazing. I, I look at just that influence and how important that is. You know, last night, my my wife and I were looking at same thing. We're looking at some holiday stuff to get, you know, customers and clients and each other. And she found this website. It's someone she follows. I'm a, I'm a shoe guy myself. You know, I love to get a good pair of Jordans, even though... <laughs> And so she's like, Brad, look, they have this pair of Jordans like you've been wanting on this website. And so we found that through social media. Otherwise, you know, that right. with, with our schedule, I wouldn't have found that. And so it's amazing that, you know, the vendors recognize that, you know, Morgan and Jamie are a known entity and that we actually respect what you're doing. And so we're going to go on and purchase that just because what you're posting. Yeah. Well, and that's too, I'm like, even again, throughout the year, I'm like tagging, you know, if I see something on Instagram, maybe I'm not buying a gift for someone at that time. But if someone's talking about something, I'm really interested in it, I save it. And so that way, too, I like go back to my save posts. I'm like, boom, boom, done. I don't have to rethink about this and spend more time and stress than I need to. So so how often are you blogging now? And Jamie, are you involved in the blogs at all with Morgan? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. Um, in the beginning, Morgan would make me try and or I did, but she'd make me write a blog about whatever it was I was doing. And I just don't have time now. I <laughs> probably should, but <clears throat> um, writing isn't really my thing either. Morgan enjoys it. But you're involved from a standpoint of when I'm writing, and obviously I can't speak to the construction, so I'm asking him all the questions, and then I'm just jotting down kind of his answers and what he's saying. Yeah. But yeah, we right now, um, we either publish or we republish which republishing old blogs is really big for SEL um so we do it four times a week wow you're doing four blogs a week so I mean have you seen the value and I, and I, just, I already know I'm sure there's value because blogging is so valuable and that's something we don't spend enough time but four times a week I mean that's a major commitment yeah well and I feel like too I'm constantly writing and that's why I have to remove myself from a lot of in-person client work because I know how valuable this is and how much more money it makes us and also less stress right with clients <laughs> but yeah and it's a lot of it too is going back to old blog posts and updating the information and then republishing it so some blogs you know we wrote five years ago and it's still um you know, anything we look at too, I'm constantly looking at our Google Analytics and then looking to see like what's almost at page one. And then I go and I like really put hard work into focusing on that, adding video in, maybe it's updating the images, getting more backlinks, reaching out to other people so that I can get it to page one. <laughs> now, are you posting all these just on your website? I mean, how have you seen the blog make an impact just on your reach? So yes, we're over, um, I think right now we're at like 1.8 million monthly views on our website. And so we're wow. constantly, um, yeah, I'm looking at our stats every single day. <laughs> and, you know, and again, the more money or the more content we're putting out there, the more people are going to be searching different, you know, and a lot of times too, I always think like when we get client questions, again, I have a running Excel spreadsheet that I always jotted in there because I'm like, I want that question if someone's searching for it on the internet to be found on our website. So then I'll answer the question, you know, in an article because I'm like, obviously they can't find this information anywhere. Um, and we want to be the resource for that, for anything home improvement related. It's really smart because those listening, I know a lot of them struggle. What's a topic? What should I speak about? What blog? Right. Without realizing that most of the people that are searching this stuff don't know anything about anything. Right. And so what you're doing is gauging the traffic, the downloads, as well as questions people are writing. And then, hey, let's answer that in a blog post. When even I laugh because I'm like, how much does bathroom remodel cost? Go type that into your search engine. And half of them are just like HGTV. They're so, they're like, oh, bathroom remodel, fifteen dollars to $20,000. I'm like, that's not possible. So I'm like, <laughs> then I take that. That's kind of a loaded, it's a loaded question too. I know. Yeah. Because there's so many variables on selections. I mean, it's like shopping cart analogy, right? What does it cost for a bag of groceries? I mean, there's just, there's a million variables and, and, and we understand that. But at least you're given a basis or a theory behind, hey, uh, uh, it should cost this and here's why. Correct. Yes. Right. But I couldn't like believe how, so that's why I wrote that blog post. And that was probably, I wrote that a year ago. Um, and I was like, wow, this is the information that's being put out there to homeowners and the public, you know, so at least there's more, a little bit more realistic and truths behind the why. Um, 
but yeah, it was just very, all these articles are just so generic. So I'm like, someone could start right there and write about it. <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, my mind's blown. I still don't even know what to say. 1.8 million monthly views on your website and blog. I mean, I can only imagine the amount of traffic and value that's brought you as a company. Yeah. One, well, a big one this year, actually, that we've been focusing into is Google Stories. And that's what actually took our website to the next level as well, because every time we do a Google Story, that's when we have huge peaks. Um, and again, Google honors Google. And if you're making these on your website, if people are looking it up, your Google Stories are going to pop up before an article will, and then it will lead to the website. Um, so, so what's a Google Story? So, <laughs> so if you go to our website, um, in any article that we have at the bottom of it, it will do some images with text overlay. And then those pop up when you'll probably realize that now when you start searching things that Google Stories will pop up um, without even realizing it. Because then once you click on it, it leads you to someone's website. Now, are these, as you mentioned, you said they're photos with text overlay. Are any of these video or similar to maybe Instagram stories or LinkedIn had them for a while? I mean, are you using any of that video like personal content? It's probably, um, so it makes it a video. So we do still photos and then it like makes okay. it into a video where you, you know, keep going. And, and the reason I ask is because I, you know, this is something that's really valuable. A lot of people, mm -hmm. as they're getting active on social media, they may be self-conscious or nervous, you know, putting themselves in front of the camera, but this is a great cheat sheet, right? That if you're in front of an audience and you want, maybe put your face out there, you have you know, some concern doing that, you could put the photos and then still get really, you know, that SEO value uh, through Google. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. And it's simple too, because I'm like any project you do, it's like, just take some photos of that. Well, you do it all the time, even on Instagram, you know, and it's like, you're doing the IG, you know, swipe thing. It's like, just take that content information, put it into a Google story and have it on your website. I love that. So one thing I um, that I use every day is, you know, a lot of us understand the platform, you know, Instagram, LinkedIn, Pinterest, I mean, those, but Google, if you go download the My Business Google app, so Google has an app, My Business Google. And when I do my content posts and all those feeds, I also post to My Business Google because that does upload, you know, to Google, which helps SEO and, and search on maps and, you know, other SEO for our website. But we're not getting 1.8 million views. <laughs> <laughs> You will just try it. I'm like, it, our traffic, yeah, just double this year because we've been putting so much focus on that. And we also put a huge focus on Pinterest. So I think, yeah, at the end of the day, it's like, that's where we're spending our time when it comes to social. And that is places that's actually driving traffic back to our website. Um, and it's less of Instagram and so Facebook and yeah. So Jamie, how do you assist, I mean, from the video content, because, you know, with Morgan not being on site every day, you know, how are you providing content for, for Morgan or do you when you're out on site? Uh, we really don't do a lot of it when we're out there in the field working. Um, it's a fight that Morgan has with me and <laughs> the guys in the field, like weekly. She's like, all right, everyone today, just pick up your phone and do anything. And I don't know. That's like a big goal of mine is to do more of it. But, <clears throat> you know, I mean, how it is in the field, like your go, go, go. You, I mean, we barely even take a lunch break. But, yeah, yeah trying to get better at it. Um, Morgan would love it if we did more of it. Well, and Jamie, this is a big goal of his this year is to focus more on YouTube video content yeah. and actually set up a camera and do things in the shop and give more tutorials. And so it's not just on this job site because he always says to me, too, he's like, babe, half the time our clients are there and watching us. I'm not going to just set up this camera or start talking to myself and be sharing this. I'm like, just do it, please. Yeah, it's hard, but maybe you get a good time-lapse camera, right? So even if the clients are like, oh, this is just a time-lapse camera, right? And it's just, you know, it's going to be in full speed, so you don't yeah. have to worry. Yeah, typically if we do any video, it's a time-lapse beginning to end video. Well, I think Jamie should get one of those like, just get a mechanism where you can just permanently mount your like selfie stick and you can just be working with two hands. It's just like mounted to you as you're working. I actually have one. I have a, a GoPro. <laughs> you do. It was more for my dirt bike, but yeah, we, we have one. That's amazing. So, so Jamie, what's your biggest pain point right now? 
for your, for you and your customer outside of like durations. I know we sp- spoke about durations, but, and like a lot of times I look like, I wish I was more of like a business guy to where like, I think that way more and not, uh, I can't find a tile guy right now, whatever. I'll just do it. Um, so I think like the, the labor and maybe it's kind of a pain point where we can't find a tile guy. So now we're going to be doing tile for a month and then we kind of fall behind a little bit on other client work. And then it's just constantly trying to keep up with the demand of other people and keep everyone happy. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, as you look at one, one of the challenges we all have, especially on the production side is, you know, we're trying to hit these timelines and with whether people too busy or, burned out or labor shortage. I mean, there's just so many different reasons. I mean, there, there are times we have to self-perform or step in and take care of stuff, which as you mentioned, by doing that, when that happens, when the toolbacks go on, well, now it's preventing you from focusing on other parts of the business, right? And so it just creates this, right. this, uh, this, this pipeline, you know, this bottleneck, if you will. Yeah. So, sure. yeah. And, you know, you both have been just amazing with your advice and, you know, I, I feel super honored you know, to know you both. And I've learned so much. And actually from this conversation, Morgan, I'm going to reach out to you on an idea that you just gave me. Anyways, we'll speak about after this, but, but Good. you know, what, I always what, feel like we should yeah, be giving you now, more because you've given us so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't know about that, but what advice, you know, looking back at where you are now with construction style and this amazing brand you've built in such a short time, you know, what advice would you give to young company or even yourselves if you were now starting Jamie Morgan today? The big thing I would tell people for sure, like if you're a young guy or girl, like looking to do your own thing is don't overspend. Like you don't need to go to the bank and take out loans for a bunch of tools and vehicles and putting lettering and details on everything to make everything look pretty. Um, Just build. And as you can buy tools or buy a new vehicle or trailer or whatever, do it as you can. Um, the other big thing <clears throat> is lean on other professionals, um, even outside of the trade area, like get an accountant. You need that. Like if you're going to pay for anything, do that. Uh, find a lawyer because you're going to need <laughs> contracts written up. You're going to need to lean on them for different things and any kind of <clears throat> On the contact you can have like that is going to benefit you in the long run too. Um, and then don't be afraid to do the dirty work or take the, the not ideal job to get your name out there to kind of build your resume. Um, we did a ton of work at the beginning where we basically did it for free just because we didn't, we had no portfolio yet. Um, and other things like if I wanted to do something detailed or something new i would do it for free just to add it to our portfolio i love that too because as you're thinking about that jamie i mean as you think about this contextually is that some people some of us went to college right or some go to college and you're going to take out you know loans and debt you know for an education you know, look at it as a business well why not make an investment in yourself or your company that, yeah, you may take out debt or break even or whatever it may be, but it's a signature project that now you can leverage and market and get your foot in the door, which can now open opportunities down the road. And really, it's the same methodology of college, just in a different real-life application. What about you, Morgan? I would probably just say be fearless. Blogging? Yeah, blog, blog, blog. <laughs> right, right, right. Yes, actually, I say that all the time. I'm like, <laughs> start writing. Um, but in just leaning on people and stop comparing, I think was a big one. I think Jamie and I spent many years trying to figure things out on our own and thinking, oh, we shouldn't, can't reach out to them because they're too big or Mm -hmm. I don't know. And I'm like, just reach out to people, lean on people. Um, we always try to surround ourselves with people who are a lot better than us, a lot more successful than us. And now it's like, you know, you know, Jesse and Katie, Jay Kath, I'm like, I call her almost every day if there's an issue and I'm like, Hey, and immediately she's like, here's the, I'll send this over to you. Here's the solution, you know? And I'm like, I probably, we probably spent five years not doing that because we're like, Oh, we don't want to impose or maybe that's disrespectful. And it's like, once you realize in this community too, and nationally, I'm like, you're one of our people. I'm like, it's so small and we should all 
depend on one another and uplift and support and just make that connection. And yeah. I love that. Well, I can't thank you both enough. So what do you have that's upcoming and exciting for us to follow along? Oh boy. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's a new year. YouTube. Uh, yeah. YouTube. I love on YouTube. Yes. <clears throat> videos. Get excited to see Jamie on videos. We're going to make sure now that he does this. That's one thing too. His past experience was BMX and he like loved recording videos and putting them together. So I always say that to him. I'm like, dude, let's go. Um, yeah. but yeah, we're wrapping up a handful of projects. We have a handful more that I'm excited about for the New Yorks. They're repeat clients. So we've already worked with them before. So I hope they're more simple. Um, but yeah, we hope to do some more real estate investments this next year. So I'm excited to share more on that once it happens. And yeah. Well, that's amazing. Well, we can't wait to follow along. So where can our listeners find you? Um, construction, the number two style is our website, our Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, Google stories, Twitter, LinkedIn. Uh, we're on everything. TikTok. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> well, that's amazing. Well, Morgan, Jamie, thank you so much for making time and, uh, appreciate the friendship and mentorship you've given us and many in the industry. Yes. Thank you. Appreciate yeah, it. We appreciate you. So thank you all for tuning into the podcast today. And just as a recap, if you check the show notes, they're just going to have all the links for the topics that we discuss. And also one of our favorite features now is the chapters that go through the conversation. So if there's certain topics you want to revisit or listen to, they're outlined by the time that we discuss those. And again, we can't thank you enough for all of your support. Please make sure and download our podcast, subscribe, give us a five-star rating and review wherever you download your podcast.